Welcome to the Leadership Drip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to our table, but before we do, could you do us a favor and hit the subscribe button? And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Hey friends, welcome back to the table, the leadership drip. Um, my good buddy, partner in crime, friend, amigo, Rob Foltz is not at the table with me today. He's off drinking coffee with our fine president of the university. He got called into the president's office. That's never, well, it's a good thing. Don't worry about it. It's not a bad thing. So, but we do have another friend at the table with us, Jordan Whitmer. He is the um, host of Generation Today podcast, so a fellow podcaster on the show. He also started and is the founder and CEO of How To Life Movement, which we're going to talk about. And two things I love about this guy already. One, he has a huge heart for Gen Z, which you know we do here on the show. Two, he's a Chicago Cubs fan, which those are rare. I think myself, I think Hannah Granowski, if you know Hannah, Jordan, and now Jordan, Cubs, go Cubs, go, right? Yes, yes, yes. The Cubs are a good choice for a team and but yeah it's so good to be here today jeff i'm so glad to be on the on the show and honored to be with you all today well great so it's it's cool to have you so i want to know as i dug kind of into the the how to life movement and, and correct me if i'm wrong you started this when you were in high school yes so when i was 16 years old i and some of my friends we came together and we were just praying about what we could do to reach our friends for Christ. And we said, you know, let's plan an event. And it was just four of us around my dining room table in my hometown in Arkansas, where I was growing up. And we were praying about what God might use us to do. And it started with just four of us praying. And we came up with this name, How to Life, and said, let's plan an event, have it all be student-led, all led by young people. And uh, from then on, uh, we, we, we started planning and we put a date on the calendar and our team grew to 13 and 55. Then 750 people came to the event that we put on in March of 2015, all led by Gen Z for Gen Z. I was just 16 at the time. And, uh, and that event just impacted so many people and started what's now become a global movement of, of Gen Z young people around the world coming together for the gospel. So, I mean, obviously you're praying and the Lord prompts our hearts, but, but take me two steps maybe before that. Because I don't think God puts something in us that he's not already working on. So what about you as a 16-year-old high school student is already thinking and focused on, hey, how do I reach my my peers? How do I reach my classmates? Listen, I've got high schoolers in my house. Um, they're just trying to get through the week most of the time. Like they're just trying to get homework done. You know, they love the Lord, but but they're just trying to survive high school. So what was it about that that was like, hey, let's do something and now's the time to do it? Sure. So I, I grew up in a Christian family and my, uh, my grandfather's name is Ron Hutchcraft. He's an evangelist and ministry guy who's done a lot of work over the years. Uh, he did a lot of work with Billy Graham on stuff back in the day and uh, as mm -hmm. well as the ministry Youth for Christ and, and the, just kind of some, some stuff in the 20th century. And, and then my family has worked with uh, my grandfather in full-time ministry including my parents who both work with him. And so I just grew up seeing a lot of ministry happen, a lot of evangelism. And I grew up and my mom was, I would always ask my mom, what do, what do we do? It's like, oh, well, we tell people about Jesus. That's our, <laughs> what we do in our family. And uh, like as a, as full-time ministry people. And mm -hmm. 
So I just really picked up that DNA, I think at a young age. And I myself began following Jesus at a very young age and have pretty much always followed him ever since one way or another. And it's never, it's not always been perfect, but I know for me, uh, I've been deeply passionate about seeing how I can both follow Jesus myself, but then help so many other people find him. And uh, that's kind of what led me to in uh, in 2014, when I was a junior in high school, I was like, I have a year and a half left of high school and I want to do something more to reach my friends for Christ. And that's when I just felt God leading me to start something. And uh, junior year, we got something going and uh, that event just made such a big impact and having people lead worship and share their stories and testimonies about what Jesus had done in their life. And then, and then sharing the gospel uh, I was able to kind of be the evangelist at that event that like proclaimed the gospel yeah. and invited people to follow Jesus that night. And about 75 people responded to the gospel invitation at that event of over 700 people. And after that, I just really felt the sense of this is the start of something that's probably going to continue for a while. And it, it has been continuing ever since. And, uh, and we're uh, just so, so amazed at what God has been doing through a movement of all primarily young people that have been stepping up saying, Hey, we want to reach our generation for Christ. Yeah. So, so you're one of the primary conversations that Rob and I have with students and we work a lot with college students here, um, is on this idea of calling and purpose. Really the word purpose is probably before calling. They, that seems to be more the buzzword in culture that they're searching for purpose. They're searching for what they're going to do. Um, in the Christian world, we call it calling a lot of times. How did you recognize, and it sounds like you had some good training in your family, but how did you recognize your calling and, and what, how did that come about? Yeah, I'd, I'd say really kind of through this journey of figuring out and, 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 and connecting with more and more young people. And, uh, and like when I was 16, I realized that God wanted me to plan an event. And at that point I was like, okay, let's do an event. Let's keep it to that and start with that and see what mm -hmm. God does. But then more and more, as I've gotten to realize the scope of my generation, I am Gen Z. I'm 22 years old, born in 1998. So I'm certainly part of the next generation and kind of on the leading end. I'm either a millennial or Gen Z, but I'm not a millennial. Right. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at an age in kind of that late nineties babies uh, zone. But uh, in talking to in, in seeing this how to life movement grow and connecting with more and more young people, I'm just realizing the brokenness of Gen Z and the mm. absolute just it's it's according to Barna, 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. It means one in wow. 25 young people in Gen Z know what it means to truly follow Jesus. Like if you meet a young person on the street in this country, in the, in America, in the United States, this nation that some people think is so Christian, there's churches on every corner. The reality is, is it's so few that truly know what it means to follow Christ. Yeah. And so I know that statistic, that statistic was very sobering when I first heard it and I share it with other young people all the time. And it's so sobering for them. They always say, I had no idea that it was that low. Sometimes they're like, nope, I totally see it. And, and if you mm -hmm. ask someone who goes to high school today or goes to an American university, you'd realize the sense of that sounds about right. It doesn't surprise me. It's sad. And, uh, but that sobering brokenness. Uh, I think means Gen Z is so ready for Jesus. We just yeah. need to do something more. We need to be creative. We need to start, we need to plan events. We need to 
mobilize strategic evangelism, discipleship, and, and then in mobilization of, of young people, because uh, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, and it's now is the time to see uh, an awakening happen. And, but it's, it's going to happen when more and more people say, yes, here am I, send me and uh, hmm. uh, let God use them. Yeah. And that, that 4%, I hadn't heard that data. The data we kn- that Rob and I are super familiar with is the data that came out of the Faith for Exiles study that Barna did. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. But they say only 10% of, of kids who grew up in church remain what they call resilient disciples, which is which is just a staggering number. So if you talk about 4% have a, 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 a Christian or biblical worldview, 10% of kids who grew up in church stay committed as disciples of, of Jesus. Um, yeah, the harvest is big. I mean, that's why Rob and I do with this. It's why I'm a church planner. It's why Rob's working on the college campus. Because even in the, the context of a Christian college, we know there are lost people right here in front of us. So... With that in mind, and, and you talk about equipping evangelists and others to spread the gospel, how is the How to Life movement? How are you doing it? How are you equipping a fellow Gen Z, uh, I don't want to say students, but students and young people to reach others with the gospel? Yeah. So, so our mission statement, we uh, really sharpened it this last year to three main things reaching discipling and mobilizing Gen Z for Christ. On one hand, that's like super broad, but on the other hand, that is specific because that's what's needed. And it's not just evangelism. It's not just discipleship. We've got to have both of those, like the need for evangelism in this, in this country is so urgent. And, and a lot of what we're trying to do is, is help people mobilize events. So events is one part of it. It's not how life is not just events, but events are key because catalytic events are powerful Mm -hmm. and uh, they are a great project to work on. And uh, they are something that many people are usually very willing to attend. And a lot of young people might not ever step foot in a church or on a, uh, on a Christian site, but they might come to something if it's led by Gen Z, if this is led by people like them from our gen, from the next generation. And uh, so often the, what happens is the how to life movement grows through Instagram is where most of our interest and engagement and conversation comes from Uh, also TikTok, uh, but uh, Instagram is where we've met a bunch of people and for years now, people have been reaching out saying, Hey, could we do something like this in Alabama? Could we do something like this in Colorado? Could we do something like this in England? Could we do something like this in Mexico? And in each of these places, there are local young people saying, I want to do something more and I want to make a difference for Christ and for the great commission, but I just don't know how. Usually that's the the way this happens. People say, I want to make a difference. I don't know how. And I know that's the theme of what I talk about all the time, whether it's on my podcast or when I'm speaking is we can make a difference. God wants to use us. And if we are willing vessels, he can, he can use us. And we're trying to help raise awareness. And some churches do an amazing job of raising awareness of, uh, of evangelism and mission. And I I would think some of those churches would be successful, uh, very more successful. And then, but sometimes there's, there is a lot of apathy in uh, American Christianity just that it is not normal to usually live out your faith to the fullest extent in, in the United States today. And then it's, people are more comfortable with just, Hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and do my thing, but then live my everyday life as if just not on mission. And for me, 
I want to see Gen Z young people in our country and around the world living a life of mission because yeah, that's what God calls us to do. That's what the Great Commission is. Jesus uh, came to earth and and paid our death penalty on the cross and rose again so that he could have a relationship with us. And he wants to have a relationship with every young person in this generation, but it, it's going to take more and more intentional, intentional, uh, intentionality with the great commission saying, Hey, we're here to make disciples, to proclaim the gospel to all creation, uh, and to, uh, to go into all the world. And, yeah. uh, and, and once we get that mindset, and see that change come. It's incredible what God can do. Right. And, and I think, I, I believe the statistic is true, um, that Gen Z is currently the largest living generation in the United States. I think that's accurate. I think so. There's a, there's a lot of Gen Zers. And I, I mean, the baby boomer generation is still big, but it's, yeah, uh, they're getting older. So yeah, Gen Z so is very big. I think Gen Z is currently the largest living generation. Um, and and the, the two stats we talked about, statistics are statistics, they're numbers, but they represent people. Um, do you think that there's a lack of awareness in churches and leaders and the fact that, that this next generation is, one, probably biblically illiterate, and two, completely disconnected from the church? Do you yeah. feel like how to life is, part of your mission is maybe to create greater awareness of that? I would say so a big, like we're, we're trying to help ultimately like the vision of how to life has been very much Gen Z to Gen Z uh, on one hand. Yeah. Because I think evangelism when it's like to, to reach a young person, it's probably going to, it so often takes another young person to go out of their way. And, uh, and that's not just through how to life. I meet a lot of people who say, I came to know Jesus because my friend invited me to church or my friend invited me to this camp or my friend told me about Jesus. And, uh, that's where we're hearing it. It's, 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 or, or, or sometimes it's, I came to know Jesus because of TikTok, and there's mm-hmm. so much revival happening on TikTok. Actually, it's, it's, it's True. crazy. It's amazing. The amount of people that are coming to faith on social media, uh, a lot of my friends that are Christian TikTokers, they just talk about what God's doing and it's yeah. incredible. And, and, and it, it does seem like a lot of what's happening in Gen Z, the good stuff is, it is kind of separate. We're, we're very age segregated in this, mm-hmm. in this country, like the, the baby boomer in Gen X world is just so different from the, the Gen Z world and, and even the millennial world to some extent. So there's, 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 but, but ultimately God's heart is intergenerational. Now, one yeah. of my favorite verses in the Bible is Acts two seventeen, uh, where uh, uh, Peter is giving his Pentecost sermon and he's quoting uh, the prophet Joel from the Old Testament, and his 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 what he said, and it was, he was quoting God Himself, who said, "In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Uh, your sons and daughters will cry out. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams." And uh, what that verse shows is that there will be in the last days, whenever that is, now uh, there will be a, a bunch of passionate young people mm-hmm. proclaiming the gospel along with older generations that are supporting and getting behind them and dreaming with them. And I know that verse is always very, it's been very inspiring to me. It's not one generation. It is an intergenerational partnership uh, with a lot of boldness from young people. Yeah. We've had several guests on the show who are pastors or leaders in the faith community, and, and they echo that. And they're they're not Gen Z. I mean, a lot of them are are Gen X or or 
maybe millennials and they're saying, hey, God is generational. It's from one generation to the next that that it's a community of faith. It takes all of us um, and, it, and it takes the older generations as well to partner with and support the younger generation. And I, I feel like a lot of times I wish I had the wisdom of the age I did now with the energy I had at 21. I, I would be a whole lot more effective if I had those two things. And somewhere here in my 40s, I'm kind of caught between most of that energy, but a whole lot more wisdom than I had 20 years ago to to chase down some of the dreams that God's given. Um, what I love about Gen Z is they are so highly communal and supportive of one another. What you're talking about, Gen Z to Gen Z, is to me is not surprising because what we've seen through whatever it is, whether it be a podcast, a TikTok, a, a Instagram store, whatever way they're kind of creating their space, their, their peer group, their friends rush to celebrate and share it. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's just unreal to me. So what you're saying about Gen Z being evangelistic, if God really gets a hold of them, it's not surprising. They want to share Jesus. It's in their DNA and makeup. So how are you sort of, like taking that energy, that zeal and going, Hey, here's the gospel and here's how you can share it. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what we're seeing happen and it, we, we, we try to train people on how to plan events is one thing we help encourage just being bold and living on mission in general and helping people think about how can I reach my friends for Christ? And, and we've yeah. got some video content and series and we're planning to make a bunch more digital content all led uh, all as gen z to gen z content because that's what's being so so relevant and there, there there's a lot of zeal and a lot of enthusiasm right now like you're saying and uh, but it, it's about helping capture that zeal and enthusiasm for the gospel and helping people know how to live it out because a lot of people are kind of afraid or confused like how how do i live for jesus in 21st century america there's that doesn't seem to be the most popular thing to do and there's uh, there's ways to do it well and better and, uh, and 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 but helping people know hey you can make a difference here are some examples of how god can use you this is what an event looks like or uh, sometimes we do leadership retreats and we'll bring gen z people together and we'll just pray together and we'll talk and we'll learn and we'll uh, uh, talk about the great commission and and things like that are huge for how we're trying to help uh, stir up the next generation or my podcast gen z today like think I, we're trying to really help put the great commission at the pulse beat of uh, of a lot of young people and helping people realize god's heart for the world both for our nation and for the nations yeah. also for the 1040 window the unreached there's people on this planet that have never heard the name of jesus and uh, uh, and so it, and so often we just don't we're like, okay, that's someone else's problem, but no, God calls us. He calls each generation. And, uh, um, I look up a lot to the, uh, over 130 years ago, uh, a movement started called the student volunteer movement. And some people are familiar with it, uh, but it's not, it's kind of lost a lot of its, uh, interest. Uh, just people don't really remember it, but, uh, and some of the leaders of that movement, uh, namely a guy named John R. Mott, like these are, these people become some of my biggest historical inspirations because there were uh, young people who basically set out their mission was the evangelization of the world in this generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, they literally set their entire life focus on, we want to 
go overseas and we want to reach the nations of the world and we want to see the gospel proclaimed. And, uh, and they spent their whole life doing this over 20,000 missionaries were mobilized uh, in that era. And it helped lay the foundation for the world we're living in today, the work of just a bunch of willing vessels. I think more than anything, that's what we need today is a movement of uh, young people that our students or young people saying, Hey, we want to see the nations reached and we want to see our nation reached yeah. both, both America and the entire world. I, th- I think that's significant. Um, the United States has been the, the largest, one of the largest sending nations. Yes. Um, but we forget sometimes that the largest mission field sometimes is right here at home. It is like, like, like everybody wants to go across the pond or go across the seas and they won't go across their street. Um, yeah. So we've talked to a couple different people who uh, Addison Bevere is a friend of ours and was on the show. And he talked about, you know, everybody wants to go do something for God, but they won't go to their neighbor, like on their cul-de-sac or on their block. And sometimes we got to begin right there. And that that's sort of right here in our own neighborhood. Sure. Um, because like we've said, this is a very unreached people group or, or generation, at least in the, in the United States. So as somebody who, who is a, a Gen Z um, young adult, as somebody who is is conversating with them and constant community with them, what would you say to, because a lot of our audience is church leaders, they're pastors or youth pastors, what would you say to to us, um, and I, and I cl- cluster myself in that, as people who have a heart to reach them, but don't really know how? So what can we do? Great question. I... I would say get down on the level of where Gen Z is at and and, and get into their world and really try to figure them out and listen. Uh, a lot of young people I connect with, they they feel like there are there's a big uh, there's 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 a disconnect sort of between typical American church leader stuff and where they're at, like the amount of young people who are like, you know, we don't need the fancy lights. We don't need the fog machines. We don't, they, we don't want that. Like it's, yeah. it's it, often we think that by having more fancy excellence in our contemporary non-denominational or whatever churches that that's going to draw people in. And maybe it did at one time, but now, what young people want, they want genuine conversation. They want real talk. They want practical life advice. They want to address the problems that they see in the church today, but they want to see that change and they want to grow and they want to move past that and move into the sense of what uh, the biblical uh, what biblical church is like. And it's so, so essential and important. And uh, some things like TikTok, we talked about that earlier. I would encourage anybody... I was talking with a friend the other day and he said that uh, if you're an adult and you have a heart for reaching young people, you need to be on TikTok and mm-hmm. to share the gospel. And uh, I agree. It's like, yes, that might sound like, okay, that's fine, but I couldn't do that. That's that's too much. But it's an app where people will find you and they will see your stuff. And we need adult yeah. voices on there uh, that are not going to talk down to young people or preach at young people, but just have a conversation and say, I care about you and I want to help you. And, uh, and what questions do you have? And just being an open book, being willing to listen, uh, being in and empowering. One of the phrases I've shared my whole journey with this, how to life movement is turn us loose three words that if you, turning loose the next generation to lead is so important. All of us always need to be empowering someone younger than us. It can't just be 
yeah, okay, it's my turn to lead now that I'm 35. No, it's like we need to be empowering people younger. I'm 22 yeah. and I'm spending my life trying to empower teens and young people, people younger than me. And uh, I've kind of already retired in a way because I'm empowering younger people. But that's kind of what's really inspiring to look at. I know my approach for sure. Yeah. We, uh, Rob and I are, I'm be honest about Rob and I, um, our age and we're, we're, I'm 44. Rob is 47. I believe he's not here to speak up, but, mm-hmm. um, we, we will get lost in watching TikToks. Like, yes, we, we think it's great. Yes. We have not been brave enough to step into that space. Now we've got some sure. great friends that are killing it now. Yeah. We had some friends that have been on the show and they, they, especially during the pandemic, like they just crushed some TikTok and became sort of the voice and we've celebrated them over and over and we can see yeah, celebrate yeah. them. Um, so, so I'm asking for me as a 40 yes. something dad of high schoolers that mm-hmm. my kids would roll their eyes. And not that it's necessarily needs to be safe space on the safe is really in the gospel. I think we got to be bold and yeah, courageous, yeah. but, but would I be accepted as wise counsel as a voice, if I started TikToking, I'm using myself as an example as a 44 year old pastor. So if I come on and I start a TikTok of encouraging things from scripture, is your generation open to accepting that? 100%. In fact, like the, the amount of adults that are on TikTok, there's it's it's not very many, but the actually there are quite a few. There's there's 100 million TikTok users in the United right. States. Somehow that's one out of every three Americans has this app now. Uh, but um, I would say absolutely. There's, there's, there's a need for mentorship, encouragement, and just fresh voices thinking you don't have to try too hard. The harder you try, it's probably going to be, um, less effective as just sharing your heart, sharing something that you're really passionate about keeping it short and simple hmm. and, uh, and just really going for it. And seriously, I'll help you out. If you have questions, I can connect you with people like that's, we want to see more young people. And I, I love when adults say, Hey, Jordan, I want to get on this TikTok thing. I have no idea how to start, but I'd love to get going. And, um, yeah. And like, I have made some myself, I'm not the biggest TikToker personally. I, I mean, I mean, well, I watch stuff all the time and I do have TikToks, both a travel channel and then my Christian channel. And I have a few things I've been making on there, but I work alongside TikTokers all the time. And, yeah. Uh, but it, it, I know when I've tried, it, it is sometimes as simple as just say, share something, share something unique, yeah. share something, uh, that people need to hear and, and God will use it. He'll, and, and something will go viral eventually if you keep making good stuff and, and then it blows up and that's how that app works. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So, so, so listener friends like us, like Rob and I, who are, um, maybe a Gen Xer, maybe an older millennial, maybe, maybe even a boomer. Um, Jordan is giving you permission to get on TikTok. Um, you've been Jordan's given permission. To help you. I'm sure some other friends of ours, Ellie Bonilla, who is doing exceptionally well. Yes. TikTok, Grayson Bearden is another friend of ours who's doing yes. really well. I, I I can guarantee you because I know these guys that if you reached out to them and said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna know what I need to do on TikTok," they would be more than open to helping you. Yes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe there's gonna be a leadership drip TikTok. I, I have to, I have to consult with Rob who's not here, but but uh, we'll we'll look into that. So yeah. Yes, here we go. But I think what you're hitting on is is what we've already heard so much is Gen Z young people don't don't want the 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 lights and the flash anymore. And though though you can do that with excellence and it'll still be great. Yeah. But what they're really searching for is authenticity. 
Yes. Um, authentic voices, authentic conversations. Um, not so much the attractional, all the attraction and the bells and whistles. Um, speak to us about why you feel like your generation has leaned back into authenticity so hard. I think because of how hard life has been for, for Gen Z, like even before the pandemic, the statistic I heard is that 80% of Gen Z has experienced trauma of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, there's so much brokenness, so much hurt, mm-hmm. pain, anxiety, depression, mental health problems, suicidal thoughts. This is what a lot of people in Gen Z deal with every day. And uh, they, have family problems, family turmoil. There's uh, financial hardships, the recession in 2008, 2009, the, um, the recession was bad for a lot of people, the tumultuous world events and politics and presidencies and just stuff that just keeps people really confused and uncertain. And then obviously a global pandemic that is still raging and harming families and hurting people everywhere. And there's, there's so much hurt and brokenness. So compound all that together. And then the rise of social media and smartphones, if social media, smartphones and a pandemic and a recession, all of those are Mm -hmm. like generation defining events and Gen Z and millennials have been living through all of that. And, and that leads Gen Z to be in this very, very interesting situation. There's a lot of like goofy, realistic pessimism and stuff that like goes around just people like Gen Z loves the, Oh, I'm dead. Or like the crying or the, the, just emojis there, the, the skull emoji, I'm dead. Like, it's just like that. That's just kind of the definitive of Gen Z. Just so just kind of like kind of over it, kind of over life, which is sad. And uh, which is all the more reason though, they, they want hope. They want what's genuine because once they kind of get over that, they are so broken and we're so in need of hope and authenticity. And, and, and when that authenticity comes and when someone's like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, can I, we get coffee? Can I just talk with you? And, can you can open up to me like and rather than oh like here's my cool sermon series like we don't need a cool trendy sermon series we need just a friend and people that can care for the next generation and someone who could say i believe in you and i want to use you uh, or and that and god wants to use you to make a difference and uh, when we have those adults that come into our lives there's it's amazing what can take place yeah um i'm trying to think how to act ask this next question without it sounding, I don't know. So, so your, your expression of your generation is of a a lot of lack of hope. Um, yes. Brokenness, hopelessness, this, this, this Jesus we talk about brings like overwhelming hope. So as you're evangelizing, your team is reaching out as your team is preaching the gospel, the response to the Lord, that's what I want to know about so, so is there this dramatic swing in, in young adults and Gen Z that when they go from this hopeless state to encountering Jesus, that, that this hope of Christ, the hope of Christ that is in me, the Bible talks about, is it, is it, is it a big swing? Are they, are they rejuvenated with hope or what's sort of been the response? Yeah. Especially those coming to know Christ. With what I've observed on uh, like, some of these kids came to know Christ on TikTok in the middle of a pandemic. They were at their lowest of lows in April, 2020. They're mm-hmm. shut in their room. They're doing school online. They can't see anyone in person. 
and they're just hitting absolute rock bottom and they probably already were hitting rock bottom anyways, just because there's so much brokenness anyways, yeah. the pandemic compounded even worsely on top of what was already happening. And, uh, and then they, and then a kid hops on TikTok and they see some other person from Gen Z who has some hope and is talking about, Hey guys, there's hope in Jesus. And yeah. they're sharing on an Instagram live stream at, or TikTok live stream at like midnight in their, and from their bedroom streaming on, on TikTok. And I'm kind of describing right now what has happened for so many people. And then, and then these kids are like, I want what that kid has. He has hope. Yeah. On face value, looks like there's nothing different. They're Gen Z. We're Gen Z. We're all kind of going through hard times and things, but they have something extra special and unique. They have Jesus. They have hope. And that's how people have been coming to know Jesus digitally. And then, uh, and then, and then, or, or through, through other conversations there, there is a huge swing. Kids just get excited when they find Jesus because he's the only hope for this generation. He's Jesus is the hope for the world. He's been our one and only hope for over 2000 years since he uh, died and rose again. And, and he's still giving hope to people this day all over the world. And, and that's, what's so, Mm -hmm. so key and incredible is to see what, Jesus does in every generation is faithfulness to all the generations. Yeah. So what are you seeing as far as these, these digital Jesus encounters and how are they getting moved into real life discipleship? Yeah. So that's kind of the tricky dynamic of figuring out, okay, people come to know Jesus online. How do we then take that person and uh, uh, connect them with, uh, um, uh, how do we take those people and actually get them plugged into churches? And it's, it's not necessarily happening as simple as everyone would think that's, that's part of the thing. This is often revival and awakening is messy. So yeah, yeah. there's a huge need to help provide in-person relationships and discipleship for those that are in the social media world. Like people are coming to know Jesus and, and yeah, they need the community. There's, there's so many people that are shut in in their homes still because of COVID and mm-hmm. around the world, even and in closed countries sometimes even. So it's, it's just fascinating what's happening, but, uh, but the need to help provide community is huge. And I know that's a big part of my, uh, heart and passion is to see how can we help get these kids connected with community and a big part of our continued conversation with how to life movement as well. Yeah. So what, what are you guys, you mentioned discipleship or discipling was one of your, your mission statements how are you guys doing it how to life movement what's what's discipleship look like for you guys uh how's it being implemented so the biggest discipleship aspect is us discipling leaders mm-hmm. by helping train them helping them plan events we say these evangelism events that happen through how to life more than anything are a discipleship opportunity because a lot of people they're looking for those opportunities to lead and when you give them a leadership opportunity they grow so much in their faith because they have to rely on Jesus. They have to pray. They have to work hard and, and they seek after the Lord and they grow and they learn how to speak. Some of these kids, they speak, have a speaking opportunity on in-person for the first time through something like this. And so we help disciple through the leadership planning process, but we also help disciple through digital content. We have uh, kind of some of our own videos that we've made and, and we're working really just to kind of help by, disciple through leadership in a way by helping provide open doors and, and that's for leaders, but then also we're, we're trying to help 
with uh, to have more we we want to mobilize strategic discipleship on the teen level and communities one vision we have we're calling it the eighth grade initiative and we haven't implemented it yet it's just an idea uh, but we know it can work and has worked when we see this sort of thing happen it's the idea of just at large encouraging high school upperclassmen that love jesus to disciple young people that yeah. are in middle school and that that sort of relationship I think would be huge if that could be scaled. And that's the sort of dynamic we want to see happening all over the country and all over the world is intentional discipleship of younger people, especially when they're in middle school age, even because that's when so many people are open to the gospel and often when they come to know Jesus for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a book right now by Eric Geiger and I think Eric Peck or Peak is the other guy's name, but it's um it's it's basically the whole conversation is that leadership is discipleship and discipleship is leadership training. That that if we're discipling people in the churches in the church at large, um, that we're raising them up to be leaders and disciple more people. That was the great. I mean, that's the great commission. Go and make disciples, as Jesus tells the disciples to go make more disciples. And so it's this principle of of sort of a. Uh, giving away what God gave you. So if you're a disciple, you're going to be discipling. And so that's the principle I think you guys are talking about, which I love this idea of high school students, then making investments in junior high students who, as they become high school students, make investments in junior high students, and then it just keeps going. And that's how we keep furthering the gospel. Um, so I love that idea. I, I love the concept behind it. I, I love it for not just your team. I love it for the church. I think more Absolutely. of us need to be involved in that process. Um, the discipleship and leadership are not that distinct. They're kind of one in the same vein a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a book I'm reading. I don't, I don't remember the title. Uh, leadership is discipleship. Maybe the name of it. I forget. I, I don't know. It's part of my morning process. But, sure, um, sure. but one of the interesting things about your generation, more so than I think ever before, is that that evangelism and discipleship is not bound by geographical boundaries. Like I think about the mm-hmm. apostle Paul, if he had his hands on Instagram and TikTok, the gospel would have gotten across the pond a whole lot quicker. It had been like, I know worldwide in an instant. Um, why do you think that this, this different understanding you guys have of boundary lines as far as geography has really kind of helped you guys move quicker into really spreading the gospel worldwide? Yeah, it's it, it it is very interesting because like for us we, for a lot of people, I say just start small, start in a local area. But and we did. That's how the House of Life movement started. We yeah. we the House of Life started in Arkansas, in my hometown. We put on an event. It was all led by young people to reach young people, and great. We kicked it kicked it off there, and 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 it started in Arkansas, and then it spread all around the Ozarks region into Missouri and other parts of Arkansas, and then to Tennessee, Illinois, and Texas, and then. And then the next year, everywhere from Washington State to New York State to Georgia to uh, Arizona, and just and things have started to spread out. And sometimes people are like Jordan, are you spreading yourself too thin? Are you doing too much? But but with the nature of kind of how Gen Z is, we're so interconnected that doing something nationwide and even globally, in our case, is the most effective way to go deeper. And uh, it's it's providing more synergy and passion because passionate, on fire Christian young people are. They are sadly rare, and uh, but there are a lot of them, but they're spread out all over the place. And it takes creating a community kind of nationally and internationally. And uh, 
And that's part of what makes things so unique. And that's why there's so much vibrant stuff happening on the internet. It's, it's we live in this day and age. And like when I, I was talking about that student volunteer movement earlier, I'm like, those guys yeah. hopped on boats and trains and uh, steamships and uh, they and like that's how they got the gospel out or they yeah they didn't have cars they didn't have planes they didn't have any of that and they got the gospel into the innermost parts of of, of the world and yet today we have hashtags smartphones and hashtags <laughs> yeah. and uh, zoom and uh, fast airplanes that can get you anywhere in the world within a day and a half and uh, it's like right. we have all the technology needed yet it feels like we're losing the great commission globally because statistically mm. 55,000 people are being added to the number of unreached every day. There's more need. We're not there yet. We should be seeing it go the other way. More people being added to the number yeah. of reached, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of work still to be done in the global great commission, but we have all the tools to do it now. Yeah. Borders are tight because of COVID, but we can make it work in the long term. That's what right. we've got to do. And, and not to negate that the revivals are happening and they're happening other places in Africa and yeah. South America. There in are the some East and just places. It's yeah. Amazing. Some places the revival is breaking out um, and, and mass numbers of people are coming to the Lord. So it's, we don't want to negate that, but you're right with the, with birth rates and with the number of people being added, we are just not keeping up. Like as many people come to the Lord today, more being born into the world. So there's a, a, a heightened need for sure um, for us to be evangelistic in how we approach things exactly um, in our exactly. churches and to, to be aware. And I think especially with, with our, our joint heart for Gen Z, hmm. be aware that, that Gen Z in the United States could classify as an unreached country. I mean, there's yes. that many of yes. them, you know, that we have to have a heart for, for reaching this lost generation with the yes. gospel who, who is operating off a different starting point than, than Gen X, than boomers, as far as knowledge of who God is, because most of them are not growing up in church. Like my generation even if you weren't saved, you had some church framework because maybe grandma took you to vacation Bible school, or there was some expectation of church attendance. So with that, with that starting point of very biblically literate generation, what is how, or how are you guys sort of communicating this, this sort of simple gospel truth to them in a way that, that they understand it? Yeah. I mean, the the gospel truth is we so often we overcomplicate it we make it oh it's like like people on the outside see american christianity they're like if that's if that's the gospel i probably don't want that hmm. like that's often what people yeah. think and there, there there's so much church hurt and and issues and people and uh, and, 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 and problems that all really lead to why a lot of people leave the church. I, I think a lot of our, a lot of American churches are very full of people who often don't live a life of mission or, or passion. It's just like, Oh yeah, I go to church. Cause that's what you do. It's a social yeah. club. It's why, why would you not? I'm American. I'm Christian. That's just what you do. But that all of this is about helping really live out what, what biblical evangelism, biblical discipleship, biblical Christianity looks like. And it's just a, a sold out passion and heart for Christ. And, and the best way we help simplify the gospel for people is to help give this sense of, Hey, God wants to use you. And, uh, and we've got to get that message out there and, and, and keeping it to the cross. 
the -hmm. cross is so important because the cross will transcend any boundary in any culture or anything, the need for a savior to know that we are broken. We are lost. We are hopeless without knowing our creator who made us God and uh, that he sent his son Jesus to pay for the sins that only that only he could pay for because he lived a sinless, perfect life. Uh, but we've got to believe in Jesus. We've got to confess yeah. with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ, that God raised Christ from the dead and then we'll be saved. It's, it is that simple. Yeah. And, and we've got to help get that gospel to the nations and they're, they're the great commission is very clear. Go, there's a few great commission passages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts all have their own one. Matthew's go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit. That's what we talk about the most make disciples. Mm-hmm. But Mark says, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Yeah. So Luke says, preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. John, Jesus says, as, as the father sent me, I'm sending you. And then Acts is, uh, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts. And all of those are so relevant. And the whole Bible talks about the nations and the need for the world. And I think just getting that focus, focus on God's heart for the world and the clear clarity of the gospel, is just so important. Those are just core basics of following Jesus that it, it is as simple as that. So, yeah, that's great. Great answer. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm, thrilled to to talk to you and the, the passion of a young adult who's has a heart for his generation um we have one final question i don't know if you attended college or not um but I we did. are on a college you did awesome yes. so that's even better so we are on a college uh campus here as you know the university we always ask one final question to our guests and it's this what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom that's a very good question so So I did do college. I'm a Liberty grad, actually, online. Uh, I did a little bit of on-campus school at Moody in Chicago for a semester before I transferred to Liberty online and finished my degree in a year after that. So I I finished my whole bachelor's in a year and a half. Um, But what I normally, I'm a huge proponent of Christian college and schools. Also a proponent of people who go to a secular school and be a missionary there. It just depends. Every person is different. There's both can be incredible. It just depends on what direction God leads someone. But uh, I'd say in terms of uh, something I learned not in the classroom, it's, it's just connecting with people and getting out there. The reason I did online school myself, which again, that's not for everyone. I'm not encouraging you necessarily to do that. But uh, for me, that allowed me just really good opportunity, whether you're doing online or in person, you need to be connecting with people and getting Mm -hmm. yourself out there and uh, getting to know the reality of where things are at a Christian college or any college can feel like a little bubble. And it's like, Oh, I'm in my little bubble. And I kind of can. And, and the word, the last thing you want to do is be in a bubble and then graduate and say, here I am world. I have my degree. I'm here. No, like we need to be using our time in college, making connections, meeting people, so that when you graduate, God can use you all the more powerfully uh, when when you've been praying and using your time wisely, meeting people in the outside world. So I just say, don't get too disconnected from the outside world because you're in an amazing Christian orbit and bubble yeah. at the time. Yeah, it's a great, great answer. Um, man, I'm encouraged by all that you guys are doing. It's it's we Rob and I have such a heart for this generation. We're encouraged about the How to Life movement, what you guys are doing. And and as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. Jordan, thanks for coming on, buddy. 
Thank you, Jeff. This has been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode helped you lead better, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may share it to our channels. We appreciate you taking time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table. Thank you.